0: I can invite you to remain standing. Our scripture reading comes this morning from 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 5, 17-19. through 19. Paul writes, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And he is committed to us, The message of reconciliation. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. If I can invite you to be seated, please. It's good to be here with you all this morning. I missed a prayer request. Did Robert fly out today? So Robert Albin is headed to Orlando with his McMurray Student Life, Resident Student Life Group. And they're on a mission trip this week. Uh, he's going to be working at the Make-A-Wish Foundation um, camp, community, where they you know, host the Make-A-Wish families and those children. And so we pray for him and for his classmates that they can have a great week as well. It's good to be here with you all today on this first Sunday of 2024. It feels kind of weird because it's about the last possible day that we can have for a first Sunday in 2024. Considering it's the seventh, I hope your year has started off right so far. And what a great way for it is for us to gather here and worship God together. This morning we're going to be wrapping up our unlikely sermon series where we have been uh, spending the season of Advent and now the Christmas season looking at different individuals who were chosen by God and used by God in order to bring his son Jesus into the world and in order to bring the message of Jesus Christ to the world. Over the past six weeks, we've looked and seen how different people were used by God to help tell the story of Jesus, to help bring forth the story of Jesus. And so this morning, I want us to take a step further by looking at how God has made room in His story for each of us. Not by our work, not by who we are, but by Jesus Christ and the gift that God has given us in Him. So I want to begin this morning by inviting you to think about how both the Gospels of Matthew and Luke start. I'm not going to read these lists, but both Matthew and Luke start with a comprehensive list of the genealogy of Jesus. Both Matthew and Luke have a list of names that they start the Gospel with. And I don't know about you, but have you ever sat down and spent the time to read each of those lists? I have to confess, I'm a name skipper in the Bible. If I'm reading a Bible passage, in fact, um, what did we read this morning? Genesis 6. Is today Genesis 6? (laughs) Katie hadn't read it yet. She reads hers in the evening, though. So today, Genesis 6 was the story of Abraham... It's the story of Abram that, that I was reading, and there's this long list of who Abram's related to, and Lot, and then Sodom, and Gomorrah, and how they chose to spread, and, and the descendants of Abram. And I found myself, even this morning, as I was thinking about this morning's message, as I was reading the Bible, going, oh wait, you have to read the names, they're important. And so I stopped, and I went back and read the names. Because I'm a name skipper when I see a list of names in the Bible. I think part of it is because they get repetitive. Part of it is the names uh, sometimes don't necessarily connect with anything else in the story except for the names being there and who they're related to. However, I've realized that I have to be intentional in reading the names, especially as we're talking about the names that are listed in the genealogy of Jesus, both in the Gospel of Matthew and both in the Gospel of Luke. In Luke's Gospel, for example, he is very intentional about listing the names of those who Mary is related to. He takes the genealogy of Mary all the way back to Adam. Luke does this in a very intentional purpose and for a very intentional reason because he wants us to see, he wants us to believe, he wants us to know that Jesus Christ is the second Adam. And what we mean by that in the church when we talk about Jesus Christ being the second Adam is what we are saying is that Jesus Christ fulfills that which the first Adam was unable to fulfill meaning that Jesus Christ fulfills the sacrifice, fulfills the atonement for the sin that the first Adam brought into this world. And so Luke wants us to see, as we are reading his genealogy, that Jesus Christ is the replacement or other fulfillment of what the first Adam brought into this earth and brought to humanity. We've got to read the names to know that. In Matthew's Gospel, it's a little different. Matthew's Gospel is a little messy in in terms of who he chooses to include and and why he chooses to include some of those names. For some of us, I think it's important for us to remember who Matthew's target audience is. Matthew, uh, biblical scholars believe, and if you read his Gospels, Matthew's target audience is fellow Jews. So Matthew's aim, if you will, is writing his Gospel, is to make all of these connections to where those who are also Jewish can read the connections, and they can determine for themselves that Jesus is the Messiah. This means that Matthew has written his gospel so that men and women who are Jewish are going to read his gospel, and then they're going to look in the Old Testament, and they're going to see how Jesus is the fulfillment to all of the words of the different prophets and the different prophecies about the Messiah, and then they can see how Jesus is the promised deliverer that the Old Testament references time and time again. They can see that Jesus is David, or is the, the king, the, re- the restoration of the king of the line of David that, that the Old Testament promises. And I think it helps for us to read this and for us to think about this as we read Matthew's gospel and as we read his list of the genealogy of Jesus, and maybe we should. So let me find it real fast. I didn't make a note to read it. Okay, here it is. So the Matthews list of the genealogy of Jesus. This is long. You all ready? All right, it says, A record of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, Isaac the father of Jacob, Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers, Judah the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar, Perez the father of Hezron, Hezron the father of Ram, Ram, the father of Aminadab, Aminadab, the father of Nashon, Nashon was the father of Salmon, Salmon was the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab, Boaz, the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth, Obed, the father of Jesse, and Jesse was the father of King David. David was the father of Solomon, whose mother had been Uriah's wife, Solomon, the father of Rehoboam, Rehoboam, the father of Abijah, Abijah, the father of Asa, Asa, the father of Jehoshaphat, Jehoshaphat, the father of Jehoram, Jehoram, the father of Uzziah, Uzziah, the father of Jotham, Jotham, the father of Ahaz, Ahaz, the father of Hezekiah, Hezekiah, the father of Manasseh, Manasseh, the father of Amon, Amon, the father of Josiah, and Josiah, the father of Jeconiah. And his brothers at the time of the exile in Babylon. After the exile to Babylon, Jeconiah was the father of Shathiel. Shethiel was the father of Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel was the father of Abiud. Abiud was the father of Elohim. Elakim was the father of Azor. Azor was the father of Zadok. Zadok was the father of Akim. Akim, the father of Eliud. Eliud was the father of Eleazar. Eleazar, the father of Methan, Methan was the father of Jacob, and Jacob was the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who is called the Christ. Then Matthew says, "Thus were there fourteen generations in all from Abraham to David, fourteen from David to the exile to Babylon, and fourteen from uh, wait, and fourteen from the exile to the Christ." I need a breather. Okay. (laughs) I think it helps for us to know the backstory of why Matthew is writing the genealogy genealogy of Jesus and why he is targeting and including the names that he does so that people can draw conclusions. Matthew's purpose in writing his list, as I've said, is he first wants us to see that Jesus is a direct descendant of King David. This means that Jesus is the fulfillment of all the Old Testament prophecies where it says that the Lord is going to renew His people through the line of David and that the Lord will restore the kingship of David. The second conclusion is also that Jesus is a direct descendant and He is a fulfillment of the covenant and promise that God has established with Abraham. What was one of the first verses in the genealogy of Jesus? It begins with Abraham. Because Matthew wants us to see, Matthew wants us to get to thinking about the covenant that God established with Abraham in the book of Genesis, chapter 12. When God goes to a man and tells him, look at the stars in the sky. If you choose to be in covenant with me, if you choose to do what I'm inviting and asking you to do, if you look at the stars in the sky, that's how numerous your offspring will be. And then I'm going to tell you something, is if you choose to be in relationship with me, your offspring will be a blessing to the world because of your faithfulness. Abraham made covenant with God. God continued to maintain that covenant even as he repeated it with Abraham's descendants in Genesis 28 and then later in Genesis 26. Because Matthew wants us to see that Jesus is the fruition of God's covenant with his people and that he is the ultimate blessing that has been promised to us. So in Matthew's Gospel, we have to read it and we have to look at it with the the, uh, focus being that everything for him hinges on Jesus being the Christ and Jesus being the Messiah. Everything. And because Matthew hinges everything on that, he wants us to see that our relationship with with, uh, God changed because of Jesus and is always changing because of Jesus. Because of Jesus' crucifixion, because of his resurrection, and because of the life that he offers us. And so for Matthew's gospel, this means that that our relationship with God, our salvation is made available not because of our good works, not because of our faith, but because of God. And because of God changing everything through His Son, Jesus Christ, because of God making it available to us, because of God extending the relationship with us, because of God giving us the opportunity to be in relationship with Him. Matthew's list of the ancestors of Jesus is important because Matthew wants us to see that there's room uh, for all of us in the family of God in the same way that there is room for all of us in, in the genealogy of Jesus Christ. Because if you look at Matthew's list, there's, there's names of people that are not squeaky clean. There's stories in this, the list of, of Matthew's genealogy of Jesus that are not perfect stories. They're not the stories that if you and I were going to write the genealogy of the Son of God and, and list it out, that, that there's people that we wouldn't include. But see, friends, I think Matthew includes them because he wants us to see that there's room for each of us in the family of God. I also think that Matthew includes them. He doesn't skip over those things because he wants us to be able to read this story and see that it's not perfect, but that God takes imperfect people and he uses them for his perfect plans. I mean, how easy would it be for us if Matthew had written this, this perfect genealogy that you know, had no one with anything that, that would be questionable or, or anything that, that people could look at with a possible critical eye? I mean, how easy for, for us to be and, and to read that and go, well, I don't know, maybe it's not really true. But I think Matthew's saying, look, I'm showing you, you know, warts and all of the genealogy of Jesus so that you can see that God has made room for you because you are imperfect, because you need His grace, because you need the same salvation that all the rest of us need. And so let's take a minute and look at some of those people. Because Matthew included them for a reason. He included them even though they are imperfect, and he included them even with their imperfections. He lists names like Tamar and Judah. He lists the name Rahab. He lists Bathsheba and David. He lists Ruth. Although he doesn't list Bathsheba by name, he calls her the wife of Uriah. And each of these names have a backstory, and each of them are imperfect. But if you think about it, if you're Jewish and you're reading this story, this is Matthew saying, here's our history, here's who we are, here's who we know we are, and here's how Jesus is a fulfillment to all of this. So you can look in Genesis 38. Tamar and Judah are both listed in the genealogy of Jesus by Matthew. Judah, we know, is one of the sons of Israel. He sold his brother Joseph into slavery. Judah was also the father of Tamar. Tamar had married Ur. Ur died before he had children with his wife. And so as is Jewish custom in the Old Testament, if the eldest son died, leaving a widow without children, the next son, if he was unmarried, was to marry her. And the inheritance belonged to the eldest sons. So the children belonged to the eldest son. And so Tamar uh, was to wed the younger brother of Judah, The younger brother was named Onan, and and he uh, worked to ensure that Tamar did not get pregnant so that he could get all the inheritance for himself. Onan died. And then Judah withheld his third son, whose name was uh, Shelah, because he was worried that that he would die too. And so after waiting a period of time, Tamar realized that Judah was not going to fulfill the obligation that was required of him. And so she dressed up as a... um, a prostitute and, and was waiting on the side of the road, and Judah went to her and, and bought her. And he promised her a goat, and so she took his seal and his staff as a holding until the goat was delivered. And when the servant went to deliver the goat, she was gone. She became pregnant, and when Judah found out, he went to have her stoned. When she showed him her staff, his staff, that she was holding, and the seal that he had given her, Judah realized what he had done wrong. And he said, she is more righteous than I, since I wouldn't give her my son. Tamar and Judah are listed in the genealogy of Jesus. Tamar gave birth to twins who were named Perez and Zerah. And if you read the genealogy, both of them are listed. In Joshua 2, we read of Rahab. You all know the story of Joshua, She is a Gentile prostitute in the city of Jericho. She lives in the city's walls. She has a window that faces outward. Joshua 2 tells us that when the spies of of Israel go into the city of Jericho and only to to see things, to plot it out, to make sure that that they understand and and they understand what they're facing, the the city officials find out that there are spies there and they go to Rahab's house. And they ask her where they've gone and she's hidden them in her home. And since her home is on the outside of the walls, she allows them to lower themselves out of the walls and out of the city through her window. In return for her bravery and for helping them, she's told, hang a red rope, as you can see from the picture from her window, and she and her family uh, would be spared when Israel conquered the city. Rahab did so, and she and her family were grafted into the people of Israel due to her bravery. Friends, like Rahab and her family were grafted into the family of God, Israel, we can also see how God is always working to bring those who are not part of his family into his family. We can see how God takes all of us who are unclean, who are imperfect, who are in need of grace, and he makes us part of his family because of his son, Jesus Christ. Paul writes about this in Romans chapter 3, verse 10. He writes, There's none of us are righteous, not even one to stand before God, to have a relationship with God on our own. Yet because of Jesus, we're each given that opportunity. Meaning that we're all in need of God's grace. Meaning that we're all in need of his righteousness. And meaning that we are all brought into the family of God before Jesus. Because of Jesus. David and Uriah, the Hittite's wife. 2 Samuel, y'all know this story. This is like, you know, a a child, well, it's sort of a Sunday school lesson story. Maybe not all the way. Um... You know, David sees this woman bathing on the roof of her home. He sends his servants for her. What's she going to tell the king's servants? She goes. She becomes pregnant. David arranges to have her husband killed on the battlefield. But she's named by God. Her son, Solomon, is named by God. And she is redeemed by being included in the family of God. And finally, I think the last name, it's interesting that God includes the name of a foreigner named Ruth. I think sometimes we look at Ruth's story and we see how important it is that she chooses to stay with Naomi and and we talk about her faithfulness and we talk about her righteousness. But I think the real reason that Matthew includes Ruth's name in the story of of Jesus' genealogy is because of who she was. Ruth was a Moabite. And so if you go and look in in the Old Testament, the book of Exodus, the Moabites are sworn enemies of the people of Israel. This enmity had been in place since the people of Israel with Moses had left the land of Egypt and they were walking and heading to the promised land. And if they would have been allowed to cross Moab, they would have reached their destination and probably would have... Well, I don't know what would have happened, but they weren't allowed to reach their destination because the king of Moab sent his soldiers to prohibit Israel from coming into their kingdom. He would not grant them safe passage through the city or through the country. He would not even allow them to walk through without stopping. He said, no, you have to go around. And so from that point forward, the people of Israel were enemies of Moab. And so Ruth becomes a part of the story when there's a famine in Israel. And this man named Elimelech and his wife Naomi and their two sons immigrate to Moab because there's food and there's water. Ruth marries one of the sons of Naomi. Eventually, both sons die. Elimelech dies. It leaves Ruth, Naomi, and then the other daughter-in-law. And Naomi decides to return to Israel, and Ruth decides to go with her, even going as far as to convert in her worship to the worship of the God of Israel as she goes. In Israel, Ruth was faithful in how she supported her mother-in-law. She gleaned in the fields, and then she eventually married a man named Boaz. And Boaz and Ruth became the great-grandparents of King David. All right, so what is Ruth's story? Why does Matthew include Ruth's story in this? I think Matthew includes Ruth's story in the genealogy of Jesus because he wants us to see that, uh, that Jesus' redemption is open to the people of Israel and also to the people who aren't of Israel. So this is one of the earliest signs of of the gospel writers saying that, that Jesus came for both Gentile and Jew. He came for all people. And even as a Moabite, Ruth was able to experience the full grace of God. Even as a sinner, you and I are able to experience the full grace of God. There's room for us when it comes to being a part of the family of God. And Jesus names each of us in his list of followers in the same way that he lists the, the genealogy of Jesus himself. Which means that, that Matthew includes you know, those who are exploited, those who are powerless, a foreigner, an outsider. And Jesus includes each of us, whether our titles are, are something like that or something different. I think the only title that matters is that before him, we're all sinners and before him, we're all redeemed. And he gives you a new name. It's not one that you have to go change your name. You don't have to go and be Abram and now Abraham or Sarai and now Sarah. But what we can be is we can be a new creation. A new creation that Paul writes that we are reconciled to Him not because of the work that we have done, not because of what we can do, because of what God has done. Because God has reconciled Himself to all of us through Jesus Christ, His Son. And He has given us that same ministry to share with each other. He gives us a new name which is reconciled, and it means that that we have come with, it comes with the grace and His sacrifice, and it comes with being a part of the new creation. See, this is the nature of Christmas. It's the nature of the gospel. God takes us as sinners and He makes us a new creation. He gives us a new identity. He fills our life with purpose that is greater and far more fulfilling than anything that you and I can ever do on our own. And he does this out of his love for us. He does this out of his grace that he shows us. And if there's room in the family of God for Tamar and Judah, for Uriah's wife Bathsheba, for Ruth and Rahab, Matthew wants us to see and Jesus wants us to claim that there's room in the family of God for each of us.